Okay, we're here, and we're going to talk about the rebellion. Um, you know, if you've been reading the Arantia book for any length of time, you start to see that every once in a while they refer to this event. And uh, it had an impact both uh, on our world and in the universe at large, which I'll uh, get into in just a moment. And see, I have to get this right because, uh, and of course, if I'm going to expatiate on the realities of Lucifer, I have to have it right. And as I stated, one of the things you notice in the Arantia book is that they mention the Lucifer Rebellion quite often. Over time, you realize that the actual rebellion, in the context of universal time, was a fairly recent event. It happened 200,000 years ago, but in cosmology, that might seem like a lot to you and me, but it's like yesterday against the backdrop of eternity. Think about us when we consider World War II. You know, it really wasn't that long ago on the historical yardstick. In the big picture, the universe endured a major disruption when Lucifer declared his liberty doctrine and declared his independence from the order. And I'll get into that in more detail in just a moment. But consider the loss, the loss of the Lucifer rebellion that helps sort of illustrate the nature of cosmology. So from paper 53, it it reads, The Lucifer Rebellion was system-wide. Thirty-seven seceding planetary princes swung their world administrations largely to the side of the arch-rebel. So think of 37 worlds in our system of 619 that make up our system of Satania and the installated spiritual heads of these these worlds aligned with Lucifer and his declaration of liberty. Of the supreme order of seraphim, not an angel was lost, but a considerable group of the next order, the superior seraphim, were deceived and ensnared. It reads, likewise, a few of the third or supervisor order of angels also misled. The terrible breakdown came in the fourth group, the administrator angels. Those seraphim who are normally assigned to the duties on the system capitals. And it goes on and on of the planetary angelic helpers, those assigned to the material sons, the Adam and Eve that we've discussed. About one-third were deceived, and almost 10% of the transition ministers were ensnared. So reference this against the mentioning in Revelations where it says, In symbol, John saw this when he wrote, of the great red dragon, saying, quote, And his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven and cast them down in darkness. From paper 53, we learned that the greatest loss occurred in the angelic ranks, but most of the lower orders of intelligence were involved in disloyalty. Of the 681,217 material sons lost in the system, 95% were casualties of the Lucifer Rebellion. Large numbers of midway creatures were lost on those individual planets whose planetary princes joined the Lucifer cause. So this was a big movement. What was his cause? Well, I'll share some of the manifesto, but let me draw a comparison and illustrate 
who Lucifer was in the big scheme of things in the big universal theater we refer, we refer to as heaven. Lucifer was what you might consider a, a governor of sorts. They call him a system sovereign. Our system is Satania and Jerusalem is its capital planet. That's where we're expected to go from here after we you know, end our life and our physical estate here at some point. So think about, like, for example, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. He sits in Sacramento, the capital, and he oversees the administration of the entire state, a state that exists within the confines of a country composed of 50 states. So Newsom is the kind of the equivalent of a system sovereign. He, he, he is the central administrator of just one region of an entire country. So just as Jerusalem is the capital, there are, there are counties or planets, really, of habitation that make up the system. So each one of the 619 worlds in which Lucifer was, des- was designated the system sovereign or governor, answering to Michael, Christ Michael, whom we know is Christ. Lucifer one day just said, you know what? I'm not buying the system. I want to rule. I want to do things my way. Now, think about for a moment that Michael and the Holy Spirit, the divine daughter of the infinite spirit, the third person of deity, these two spiritual uh, personalities, the highest order, in our universe of creation, are actually the spirit parents of Lucifer. So, in essence, he gave his parents the big F.U., and it's the same F.U. that every single earth parent knows comes from their kids when they start feeling liberated, like, you know, I don't need you anymore, right? So what did he say to his parents? What, what was his declaration? What was his manifesto? Uh, Lucifer had three specific, maybe four specific claims to why he believed that he was right. Number one, he charged that the universal father did not really exist, that physical gravity and space energy were inherent in the universe, and that the father was a myth invented by the paradise sons to enable them to maintain the rule of the universes in the father's name. He denied that personality was a gift of God or the universal father. Number two, he asserted that the whole plan of worship was a clever scheme to aggrandize the paradise sons like Michael. He was willing to acknowledge Michael as his creator father, but not as his God and rightful ruler. Number three, Lucifer maintained that immortality was inherent in system personalities, that resurrection was natural and automatic and that all beings would live eternally. Lucifer maintained that far too much time and energy were expended upon the scheme of so thoroughly training ascending mortals in the principles of universe administration. He advocated that ascenders should enjoy the liberty of individual self-determination. He challenged and condemned the entire plan of mortal ascension as sponsored by the Paradise Sons of God and supported by the Infinite Spirit. From 53, Section 3, we read, And it was such a declaration of liberty that Lucifer launched his orgy of darkness and death. 
And from paper 53, section 7, the conclusion remarks, as Lucifer literally got impeached and loses his position of system sovereign, marking the technical end of the rebellion, it reads, Hour by hour and day by day, the broadcast stations of all Nebadon were thronged by the anxious watchers of every imaginable class of celestial intelligence who intently perused the bulletins of the Satania Rebellion and rejoiced as the reports continually narrated the unswerving loyalty of the ascending mortals who, under their Melchizedek leadership, successfully withstood the combined and protracted efforts of all the subtle evil forces which so swiftly gathered around the banners of secession and sin. And it was over two years of system time from the beginning of the war in heaven until the installation of Lucifer's successor. So he was deposed from his position as system sovereign, governor, if you will. And so it is the Urantia depiction of the event of the rebellion, the war in heaven. And I want to point out that some of the, this account exists in fragmented form, stretching back to some 200,000 years ago of Earth's history, when man was first emerging. Our records reflect these events as they have survived in the case of John the Revelator and in Old Testament fragments like the, the writings of Isaiah and even the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Book of Enoch. So consider the following uh, earthly references to this, this same event. For example, in the Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, Lucifer is regarded within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as the pre-mortal name of the devil. Mormon theology teaches that in the heavenly council, Lucifer rebelled against the plan of God and Father and was subsequently cast out. In Christianity, Michael is referred to in Revelations 12, 7 through 12, in his battle with the dragon, quote, and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels came and were cast out with him. And from Isaiah in the Old Testament, chapter 14, verse 12, Lucifer how you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you were cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. Here's a reference from the Wikipedia segment on an old series of writings known as the Chaldee. How art thou fallen from high, who wert splendid among the sons of men. The New Oxford Annotated Bible suggests the correlation with a Canaanite myth of the gods Hillel, and Shahar, morning star and dawn, who fall from heaven as a result of rebellion. In Roman folklore, Lucifer is the light bringer in Latin and was the name of the planet Venus, though it was often personified as a male figure bearing a torch. Lucifer is said to be the fabled son of Aurora and Cephalus. So these are all the old human references going back into the far distant past. So we know now the who and the why and the when, but what about the impact this rebellion had on us? What effect did the event have on our, our own early development as, as a human species? This is from the immediate effects on us since the devil, referred to in the Arantia book, please note that the devil and Lucifer are two personalities. 
Calagastia is known as the devil, referred to twice in the Arantia Papers. And he had a huge impact on our world when the rebellion occurred. So here's a summary from paper 67. Gives you an idea on the immediate impacts of what was happening. This is about, I want to know what, 300,000 years ago? Paper 67, the Caligastia scheme for the immediate reconstruction of human society in accordance with his ideas of individual freedom and group liberties proved a swift and more or less complete failure. Society quickly sank back to its old biological level, and the forward struggle began all over, starting not very far in advance of where it was at the beginning of the Caligastia regime. This upheaval having left the world in confusion, worse confounded. It's interesting because the only thing that remains from that period, going way back to the beginnings of the colored, the Sangic tribes, are just the legends of devils. This is where a lot of our legends of devils and evil spirits come from. They're an echo of those days of the rebellion. From paper 67, sin and rebellion on Urantia did very little to to delay biological evolution, but it did operate to deprive the mortal races of the full benefit of the Adamic inheritance. Enormously retarding intellectual development, moral growth, social progress, and mass spiritual attainment. But presently, it does not prevent the highest spiritual achievement by any individual who chooses to know God and sincerely strives to do His will. So there we have the story, the impact of the rebellion. It crippled us and in some ways orphaned us for tens of thousands of years, not until Adam and Eve came. 40,000 B.C., the things start to get corrected. And then they, of course, ended up defaulting by taking shortcuts. So why does the Urantia book tell us about all of this? Because it provides context. It provides some insight, perhaps, as to why mankind, even today, seems out of step and confused. The authors make a very important point about the difference between false liberty, the self-absorption kind of liberty, liberty without license, where we remove the social and ethical obligations that come with freedom and liberty. There is true liberty, the liberty that comes with the eternal adventure of experience, intellectual liberty, the freedom to choose and follow the truth. I'd love to get your thoughts or feedback on this episode. Hopefully I left you with more answers than questions. Feel free to follow up. Email address is urantiabookradio at gmail.com. And our subject on the rebellion, this time up on the Urantia Radio Podcast.